you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hey, hello everybody. Glad to have you back. We've got an exciting show planned for you. Before we dive into things, I want to give you a little heads up to those who are in the southern Utah area. Uh, the Abundant Reading Systems course is coming up this Saturday. You can still get in on that if you want to do a single-day intensive speed reading workshop. Call 435-669-1206, and uh, they can still get you into that. I wanted to, to mention that right up front because I'll forget about it if I don't. We're going to launch into some some incredible stuff today to help you live on purpose. That's the purpose of the podcast, to give you the power and control over your life. Everything that we can do to help you do that, we're doing here at Live On Purpose. And we've got a special opportunity today. I am so honored to have in the Live On Purpose studios with us today, a man who's doing a little dance right now, Woo-hoo! my friend... Mr. Kirk Weasler. Weehaw, Paul. You know what, Dr. Paul, it's so great to be with you. It's so great to be with you. I'm so great to be back. Well, and I'm thrilled that you're here. You and I did a show probably a year ago now. About a year ago. What's up with that, a year ago? I think it was August, actually. It's over a year ago, Kirk. Uh, I I don't know. Where's the love, Dr. Paul? I I, thought it'd be sooner than that. Well, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm glad to be back. But you're here now. And I'm I'm happy to be here. And I am so excited to have you with us. I want to live on purpose like Dr. Paul. Absolutely. The Dr. Paul Live on Purpose podcast. (laughs) It's all about the love, Dr. Paul. It's all about it. And uh, I think for the, I don't know if you even need an introduction, Kirk. Well, Uh, you might want to tell your your listeners who I am. I could could tell them. Some of you might know Kirk as the dog poop dude. Oh, why do you say that? Now it's the pod to the potty cast. (laughs) The Live on Purpose podcast. <laughs> and I say that because a lot of the listeners are familiar with a wonderful little story that you told in, in a, a storybook format. Mm-hmm. Uh, several years ago, this came out. It's called the Dog Poop Initiative. A New York Times best smeller. A best smeller. No question. And it's fourth printing, by the way. It's Is that fourth right? printing. It's well, fourth printing. Congratulations. No, thank you very much. Very popular little book. I don't know if you expected this when you wrote it. No, it was just an email. It was an email that turned into mm-hmm. a story that's turned into a book. And Do you know who the number one buyer of the book is? I would imagine it's business executives. Boeing. Oh, Boeing. <laughs> Boeing aircraft. <laughs> Boeing. They use it with their Six Sigma Lean manufacturing. A four and a half minute book about a pile of poop that no one wanted to clean up. It's used by Boeing aircraft to help uh, them identify uh, and eliminate wasteful practices and processes. So they've turned it into a huge metaphor, Six Sigma. Mm. And, um, you know, I barely even spell checked it. So I'm uh, pretty excited (laughs) about it. We're pretty happy. So the next time you fly on one of those big Boeing planes, you can rest assured. It's safer. It's cleaner. There will be no dog poop. (laughs) Woohoo! And that's fantastic. Another thing that's happening with a book that's kind of fun that I don't think you know about is uh, it's being translated. It's already been translated into German. Um, a company called and mm. said, we want to, we'd like to translate it into German and print a thousand copies for our company. Would you allow that? 
And I said, sure. They said, how much did you charge us? I said, send me some German copies. That'll be enough. So they sent me 40 German copies and three bottles of German wine. Wow. Yeah, I don't even drink, but I've got three bottles of German wine. My, na- my neighbor wants them. He, he drinks a lot of wine. And the other thing that's happening with the book is uh, it's being translated into Hebrew. Hebrew. So the Dog Poop Initiative, uh, you know, never intended to be a book, is now helping to clean up the Holy Land. Well, this is an experience that you had. Right on the cover, it says a true story. Yeah, it's a true story. And, um, and I was just, the email was just intended to be my debrief. You're, you know, mm-hmm. you're a professional counselor. You help people debrief their experiences to find the positive and the learning yeah, and sure. move on and live on purpose. And so mm-hmm. I, was just, I was just trying to get that frustrating situation off my mind. And so I would turn it into an email. I thought, okay, I'm done. Just now, offload it. Yeah, yeah, just offload it. Mm-hmm. But people begin to tell that story again and again their own way in their staff meetings. So it's into this book. And now the book is just running all over the place. And, and now it's over in Israel. And they're using it um, to take into the schools to help the children, to help their parents, to mm. take the initiative. Because they found all their efforts to work with adults had not met with the results they wanted as far as helping them to clean up their communities. And mm-hmm. so now they're... Um, Working with the kids, the kids are inspiring their parents to pick up after themselves out, oh, outside of the house. Fantastic. Great, it's fun stuff. It's a fun stuff. Fantastic, and and what a great example of I, this is something that I coach people on all the time, Kirk. When when someone has an idea, and and it's really easy to just sit on that thing. Say, oh, nobody's mm-hmm. gonna like that. That's, right. That's nothing special. And I don't know if you had any of those thoughts, or if I, you ever have. You're Mister Positive. No, I certainly have. Listen, there was no ambition, no desire, no vision to have mm-hmm. this experience turn into a book. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I know you talk and you're, 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 you know, I know you talk to people about creating a vision. I did have a vision and a goal and a desire to become debt free, and I had some mm-hmm. goals set, saying, you know, I want to become debt free. These are my goals. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I can't see mm-hmm. how to do this. Mm-hmm. But then the promise is, is that if you really commit yourself to these goals, the promise is that ideas and opportunities will occur in your life. And I think the story was an answer to the goal. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because I'm, I'm not one of those guys that, oh, I've got six revenue streams. I'm still trying to figure that out like everybody else. And, yeah. um, and this has become, in a sense, the beginning of a, a small revenue stream that um, I wasn't smart enough to think of on my own. On the other hand, mm-hmm. it supports a goal and the promise is set the goal. Mm-hmm. The faith it takes to set the goal with no idea how you're going to get there. But this is the goal. This is what I want to achieve. And then, then if you really commit yourself to it and think about it and focus on it, then opportunities and ideas, insights, doors will open and opportunities will occur that allow you to achieve your goal. That's the promise. And that's mm-hmm. the power of it. And I, I believe um, that's where the book fits in. If you have, if you have that faith... This, this is where the creative process begins. It's mm-hmm. a process of faith and creating a vision. Everything has to be created mentally before it's created physically. Mm-hmm. And as you create that vision in your mind and you believe that it can happen, like you said, you don't have to know all of the steps. You don't have to know all of the hows. Right. But go forward with faith right. that you can accomplish that yeah, goal. You, yeah. And then, exactly, people get paralyzed by, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Well, okay. And then they stop there. And, I, and, and I'm no different. I'm, I'm 43 years old. I think I was probably 40 at the time I finally got this book done. But now, mm-hmm. now I've got a vision. And now I don't need quite as much faith because now I've done a second book. And my, my real goal is I'd like to spend less time on the road speaking. And I'd like to get 10 books done. 
And you know what? I've already got eight of them in my mind. So that mental mm-hmm. creation is taking place yeah. and, and followed by and supported by this belief that I've done this. I can do it again. That's right. And so the momentum is increasing. The flywheel is gaining momentum in the words of Jim Collins. Last week we talked a little bit about, about the gap. And this, the gap is the permanent distance between where you are and the ideal. And you, <laughs> when you get into the gap, you're always measuring yourself against the ideal and you're coming up short, right? Way short. It's more like a chasm, <laughs> more like a Grand Canyon than a gap. A big old gap, it's a gap. right? Well, the, one, of the, one of the ways that I help people understand this is to think about the horizon. Okay. The horizon's always way out there. Yes. What happens as you approach the horizon? It's still way out there. It's still way out yeah. there. And I've got one. I've got a horizon right outside my office. You saw where my office is today. Yeah. And it's right at the foot of these beautiful mountains. It's gorgeous. One of them's got a big block Y on it. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And I could, within a matter of a couple of hours, from the, from the desk in my office, I could walk to the top of that mountain. Mm-hmm. And that would be reaching the horizon, right? except well, when I get there, there's a whole other horizon, and it's right. even farther out there. And I watch what you're doing, Kirk, and, you know, the Dog Poop Initiative was was this first book mm-hmm. in a whole bunch of them that are already created, but some of them have not yet manifested in the physical world. Well said, well said. When you reach that, that horizon, that first horizon of the Dog Poop Initiative, mm-hmm. suddenly... There's all oh, yeah. of these other that I never saw before. Never saw before. And you couldn't see them from where you were. But you've got to step towards that. You've got to step that's towards right. the horizon. You've got to take the steps now. And I, I think that's a big part of the blessing that you are to the world in this live on purpose is you've dedicated some extra time in your life and some extra resources towards saying, you know, how can I make more of this material and this encouraging language available to people? Because you know what? We need to hear it. And we need to hear it again and mm-hmm. again. Because overwhelmingly what we hear is the, well, you don't know how, so why try? Mm-hmm. Overwhelming what we hear is the, is the negativity, is the, the stuff that empties our buckets, that, that, that destroys our faith. There's not, there's not enough out there. We need to fill ourselves. You know, a more positive life and a more positive outcome is preceded by more positive thinking, more positive language. It's very, very important. I love what you do, and I'm, I'm glad that you do it. And I, I like the way you said that. It's an absolute prerequisite. There is nothing. You look around you. There's nothing in this room that just poofed into existence. Everything existed first as a thought. Everything existed first as a thought. All right. So uh, I want to explore that a little more as we go through the show here I'd today. love to. I'd what, love to. What you said about stories and language, mm-hmm. I think, will be the focus of, of some of our comments. Before we go to our first commercial break, though, you mentioned that you have a second book out now. Um, yeah. And I told you as you were coming into the studio today that I went online and ordered a book. I don't yesterday. know why you did. I was going to bring one for you. So, but I, <laughs> you know what? I even had that thought. I thought if I want this book, there's going to be one that shows up. Uh, well, but I thought I'd help it, you know, by well, I ordering pre- it off well, of your website. Well, I appreciate ordering off the website. So the new book is called "The Cookie Thief." And what is that, Kirk? Well, the first book, The Dog Poop Initiative, was a true story. It actually, happened to me. The Cookie Thief was a story I heard years ago at a. It was a Stephen Covey workshop when he talked about. He was teaching the importance of paradigm shift. That mm-hmm. A lot of the Covey presenters would tell a story called the cookie thief. It was, it's the classic story of the lady in the airport who thinks someone else is eating her cookies. Right. We've all heard it. And she gets all animated and angry that this guy's got all this nerve to eat her cookies. And then she discovers as she goes to put her things away after her cookies are gone and all the energy and all the judgment and all the frustration she's had, she discovers that 
this guy wasn't eating her cookies. She was, she eating, was his. eating his. So it's this mistake, this, this state of mistaken uh, accusation uh, of, of the rush to judgment. There's a lot of fun principles that it teaches. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of took the story and personalized it, made it my own, and came up with, uh, found an artist, and we've illustrated a very fun version of the book. And it's got some additional, uh, it's got a lot of hidden things and some fun discoveries along the way. And, um, and it's called The Cookie Thief. And both books are available on morebetterbooks.com. So we kind of built a, mm-hmm. both books have their individual websites, thecookiethiefbook.com, thedogpoopinitiative.com. But we came up with a website called More Better Books. More Better. More Better. Morebetterbooks.com. And, and your viewers can get them there. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and they can link to that through your website uh, too. Kirk Weasler. Kirkweasler.com. Yeah. Spelled W-E-I-S-L-E-R. Kirkweasler.com. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm excited to read it. I haven't read it yet. Well, it'll change your life forever, Doctor. But I did take the speed reading class, so maybe I can get to so it. So this four-and-a-half-minute book yeah. <laughs> okay, is going to feel like a fan. Knock it right out. All right. Well, stick with us. We're going to come back with some discussion about stories and about language. We'll be right back. Relishing a week with your sweetheart in paradise. Spending that same week with other like-minded couples who live in abundance. Increasing your knowledge through powerful seminars geared toward helping you take your marriage to a new level. This is only a fraction of the value waiting for you on this year's Marital Magic Couples Cruise. Producer Retreats has teamed up with Dr. Paul and Craig Rollo to set the theme for this year's cruise as a more perfect union. Join us on January 26, 2008, as we visit the beautiful Eastern Caribbean Islands aboard Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. Call 1-800-591-2432 to select your package and book your spot. You can get more details at ProducerRetreats.com. Limited cabins are available for this event, so book today by calling 1-800-591-2432. We'll see you on board. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. I'm so glad that you've joined me for the Live on Purpose podcast. Please visit my website, drpaul.org. There you can subscribe to my weekly e-zine, Empower. Browse the events page to get connected with what's coming up or pick up some CDs or other great products. I also want to point you toward our sponsors, creationtreecoaching.com and producerretreats.com. If you live in the Utah County area, and if you like what you hear on this program, then this opportunity is for you. I am hosting a weekly mastermind group called Paradigm Insurance every Wednesday from 4 to 5.30 at my office. Call Eric at 801-221-0223 for more details. We prefer an abundant atmosphere, so please wipe your mind before entering. That's 801-221-0223. So, Kurt, one of the things that I've noticed, people really that I've shared these stories with, people really latch on to them and they remember them. 
mm-hmm. and they can be entertained by it. these books are very entertaining these little stories that you put together right uh they're entertaining i do this too in my coaching i tell stories well i've found myself framing things in in a way that puts it together strings it together in in a way that makes sense to people. and and why do you do that dr paul because it's a technique or because instinctively you found it just works the best I think I've found that it works the best, but I think there's some reasons for that too. Why? And I'm, I'm putting together all my experience as a clinical psychologist and what I learned right, back right, in graduate right. school, you right. know, to try to understand this. But with, meaning is always encoded somehow. Mm-hmm. You find this in the New Testament too, where, where the Savior always taught in parables. Right, stories. You well, why is that? Meaning is encoded. And so to convey meaning from one person to another, it's always in code. And that code is typically the language that we speak. Mm-hmm. Now, language is encoded also. And you can, you can say things in a number of ways. I could share any principle with you, Kirk, and just, just kind of lay it out just in its raw form right. and say, here's the principle. Okay, well, you would have to take that into your mind and do something with it. Put it together in a way that makes sense to you. You have to have a place to hang it. Let's let's do this for a second. I've got let's an idea. Uh, Bring it on. Most people are familiar with the seven habits of high effective people. Yeah, by Stephen Covey. But most people in the business audience I work with who own the book have never made it past chapter two. Mm. <clears throat> and it's not because they don't believe it. It's not because they didn't feel something. It's not because they don't think Dr. Covey's a great guy. It's because he writes at a four, he's a collegiate writer. He writes at a 14th, 12 to 14th grade level. Yeah, in America, right. we read six to eighth. Mm-hmm. So, so it's pretty tough. Um, on the other hand, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Parents reads at a much lower level. Rebecca and I were going to attend a Seven Habits of Highly Effective Parents seminar taught by Dr. Covey and his wife. At the end of that seminar, he was asked a couple questions. One of the questions he was asked was, Dr. Covey, as you look back on your life, is there anything you do differently? He said, mm. yes. He said, I would value my wife more. Now, go come oh, to the set. Oh, wow. Yeah. So nine children, none of them have done jail time, pretty successful parent. But he mm-hmm. says, I would value my wife more. And, um, and to see the Coveys, see, to see them in public, to see them holding hands and to see the magic and the spark they have is to want what they have. And wow, what a great thing for him to say. And he didn't say it because she was there because she wasn't there. She couldn't come that mm-hmm. night. She just had both knees replaced. The second question he was asked, and this, is, this will help us with your listeners. <clears throat> he was asked, Dr. Covey, of all the things you've taught tonight and all the things you've taught your whole life, if we could only leave here with one idea, what would it be? So now here's a guy, a master teacher, asked to sum up all of his life's teaching, come up with the most important mm. principle, and lay it out in front of 500 eager parents. Well, this is a guy that's writing endorsements and forewords in everybody else's book. <clears throat> okay, so, here's, so what's his answer going to be? What's the most, in other words, if we could only leave here with one truth, one principle tonight, what would it be? Mm. Now, he didn't have a lot of time. So here's what he said. He didn't make a big show of, well, let me think about that. That's a good question. He just said, mm-hmm. well, he instantly knew what the answer was. Here's what he said. He said, it would be to remember that people's greatest need is to feel and be understood. So that was the principle. To feel and be understood. People's greatest need is to feel and be understood. Okay, now, listeners, Dr. Paul, is that true? Feels good, feels true. I can agree with that. I can understand that. Mm -hmm. So what? As a teacher, (laughs) as an influencer, as a parent... I don't need just need to know the truth. How do I harness the power of that truth and principle and present it in a way that can cause or allow people to grow from it? How can I use this truth in a meaningful way? I had to think mm-hmm. about that. 
knowing that it was mm-hmm. true was great, but how do I use that truth as a teacher or as a friend to inspire new behavior or to cause people to be able to see their life in a different way so they could change their behavior? So I pondered this and pondered this. And, you know, thankfully, it kept rolling over in my mind. And one night on a flight, this was the thought that came to me. I'm thinking about greatest need to feel and be understood. And then the question, the question came. Kirk, who are the people in your life that meet this need? Mm-hmm. Right? If this is my greatest need, who are the people? The ones that know your shames, your failings, your weaknesses, your strengths. But when you're with them, you never feel strong. You never feel weak or ashamed. Or, or like criticized. Or, right. Or, mm-hmm. You can use less words with them and communicate more fully and richly. And all of a sudden, I thought, well, make a list. I began to make a list of the people in my life that really met this need in me. Mm. Now. It's a powerful li- experience. Okay, so listeners, how long is your list? I've now asked this question in 100 seminars. The average is 2.5. 2.5 people. So 2.5 people. Right? So, so people have between two and three names on the list of people in their life that meet this greatest need. So now take a look at this. Here's our greatest need over here and then the gap. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so rarely met. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. rarely met. Wow. Next question. Mm-hmm. What are you willing to do for the people on your list? Mm-hmm. Almost anything. Almost anything. So now we took the truth and the principle. We explored it. I've now wrapped a story around it of my discovery, my exploring the principle. And now when I teach the principle that Dr. Covey shared with me that night, my wife, when I share it with others, I can, re- I can share it in a more full context. I can share mm-hmm. a story with them about, here's a couple of questions I ask myself mm-hmm. to give some consideration to this principle. And then we, now, now we can have a meaningful discussion about, wow, how can this truth help you in your leadership role? Well, to any degree that I can help you feel better and more understood, I may not become mm-hmm. one of the two or three people on your list, Dr. Paul, mm-hmm. but to any degree I can advance where you feel a little bit more understood by me, there's going to be a reciprocal willingness in you. That's right. Right? That's not why I do it, so you'll reciprocate. I'll seek to meet the well, need in that's you. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Because but, uh, you're, you're seeking to fulfill that need in yourself also. Mm-hmm. And the very best way to get what you want from other people is to help them get to what, get what they want. Exactly true. But it's a great truth. So, so here's the principle. The, our greatest need to feel understood. Okay, so what? Okay, another one. Mm-hmm. Enthusiasm is contagious. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. heard that. I don't know, probably. Enthusiasm is So what? Enthusiasm for what? How do I harness the power of that truth if it is true? And I believe that it is. Mm-hmm. How do I harness the power of that truth and use it in my work to make a difference and make a better world? Mm-hmm. Well, so one of the things I do is teach leaders, how do you harness the power of that principle? So enthusiasm for, it doesn't matter what. No. It's your excitement. So in other words, if I tell a group of people, you guys should read more, is not nearly as powerful and effective as if I hold up a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and go... Oh my gosh, I've been reading this book. It's totally changed my mind. It's totally helped me see things another way. Can I just read you my favorite chapter? Mm-hmm. And now as I read that chapter of the group, because I'm so excited about it, there's a 40% increase in the likelihood that they'll actually go purchase and buy and read the book. That's right. Show and tell beats tell every time. But what we've, what we've really harnessed is my enthusiasm and excitement for the book, enthusiasm, I allowed it to be contagious. You're contagious. Mm-hmm. When I walk up to Dr. Paul today at the studio, he had a great big smile for me. His arms are already reaching out for a hug. 
I automatically felt better. My energy level increased. A smile spread across my own face. His enthusiasm was contagious. He also received what he gave. You get what you give. Mm-hmm. So here's principles in play shared in a story format so people can have a deeper grasp. Awesome. <laughs> Stories are the way to go. You know, Kirk, you shared a story on your thought for the day a while back, and I can't remember even which hotel chain it was where you had gone in and, and you had an exchange with a young lady at the desk. You remember the story, right? <laughs> I do. Well, that inspired me. I was in, uh, in, the, in the airport in Los Angeles, LAX, okay. just last month. And two weeks ago, I was down there uh, for my strategic coach session. And uh, I went in to buy a smoothie okay. there at the airport. And this, this young lady uh, at the counter just looked a little bedraggled, you know. Yeah. And she'd been serving customers and just, uh, you know. Harried, hurried customers. Well, she had a name tag on, and I, I think it said Monique. I can't remember for sure. Let's call her Monique. Let's call her that. And uh, she turned to me. I was next in line, and she was like, can I help you, sir? And I said, hello, Monique. With a big old smile. Uh, she just melted. Uh, and then she started scrambling to figure out how I knew her name. Ah, uh, bless her. Well, she and I engaged in a very meaningful exchange. Connected. Her day was better. My day was better. How much did that cost? The, I tell you, but how bar, much is uh, it worth? The bar is so low. And that's the tragedy of it. But it's also the greatest imitation that we have. The bar is so low. You know, the need is so great because it's, it's just not being met. So just by calling someone mm-hmm. by their name and giving them a little bit of smile and acknowledgement, all of a sudden, there's a great book that came out recently called uh, The Three, Three Signs You Have a Miserable Job or something like that. It's the no. same guy that wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah, Patrick Lindsay. Okay, so The okay. Three Signs That You Have a Miserable Job. And some of you out there are going, yeah, I don't need a book to tell me that. <laughs> you can figure it out on my right. own. Thank you. But, but one of the major themes he spoke to in the book was the, the principle of what he called invisibility. And he said, right now, there's this, there's this significant feeling in the populations of the workplace of invisibility, meaning they're feeling under, underappreciated and disconnected from the cause and meaning and disconnected from their boss and disconnected from each other. In other words, this feeling of dis- feeling invisible. Like, that happens I, in families, Kirk. Oh, yeah. Oh, tragic. Yeah. And, so, and this Monique, she felt invisible. She was just uh-huh. someone who was handing the cone or the drink or whatever it was to the person and taking money. She was just an exchange agent. She, might, she was a robot until someone acknowledged her. And, as a person. Yeah, as a person. Called her by name and acknowledged and showed humanity. Made yourself vulnerable by saying, I'm excited to see you. Mm-hmm. See, so you and your vulnerability invited acknowledgement back. And she mm-hmm. said, I'm excited too. We should talk mm-hmm. more about this after the next break and how we can use this to influence the cultures of the workplaces of our everyday, our everyday experience. Well, and let me jump on that real quick because culture, culture and language are the way we encode our whole existence. Mm. And I, I learned this a lot when I was in Finland as a missionary. Okay. Uh, I learned the Finnish language, but I also had to learn the Finnish culture. Uh, to put the language in context. To put everything together, oh, exactly. Amen. And there, there are certain words in Finnish, for example. You can translate them to English. They don't make any sense. Because you take them out of that culture. And uh, culture and language are so firmly embedded with each other. Oh, well said. And then our stories that we tell through our language embedded in our culture are the way that we transmit these principles from one person to another and actually share them. I have a personal mission statement. It is that I help people to encounter, recognize, embrace, live, and share true principles of joyful and abundant living. Love it. 
And stories is one of the tools that I use to do that. It's one of the most powerful tools. Mm -hmm. I think it was uh, Mr. Gardner, Mr. Leadership Gardner, um, what's his name? John Gardner, whatever, who said that the most effective tool of leadership is storytelling. Mm -hmm. But we've also learned that it's one of the least utilized by leaders. We should talk about that after the break. We'll teach them how to tell stories, Kurt. And why. <laughs> That's right. Stay with us. We've got some other exciting stuff coming up right after this break. In 1935, the federal government stopped the minting of pure silver dollars for general circulation. When the dollar coin returned back to circulation in 1971, it was the silverless Eisenhower dollar. This explains why your great-grandfather always had a silver coin in his pocket, and you never have. We're 180 degrees, and we have a pure silver coin with your name on it. If you're a young entrepreneur and feel like you're up for a challenge, contact us immediately at move180.com. That's move180.com. Click on the Contact Us link on the website and include the keyword silver in your information request. We will contact you shortly about how to retrieve your silver coin. While you're there, browse the website to learn more about us. Let's put some silver in your pocket at move180.com. This is Ross Kellen Moore of Creation Tree Coaching, and I've got two questions for you. Who are you? What do you want? You see, I've figured out that you and I can absolutely create anything that we really want. But to do that, we've got to be absolutely clear on who we really are and what we really want. So what do you want? More financial abundance? More fulfilling relationships? A higher level of health and fitness? How about finding your work that allows you to create massive value for others in the way that you love most? Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching. We are the world's premier provider of abundance, education, and resources. We are here to help you create the life you really love. Begin now at creationtreecoaching.com. Check out our live teleseminar classes and podcasts. Get to know our coaches and schedule a coaching session. Explore training for your business and employees. Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching and a whole new world that you create on purpose. Okay, just before the break, I shared with you that my mission statement has to do with communicating principles. And uh, more specifically, I help people to encounter, recognize, embrace, live, and share true principles of abundant and joyful living. And how better, take that first one, for example, to encounter a principle, how are you going to do that? Right. How, how are you going to even be aware that there's a principle out there? You have to encounter it somehow. Right. Who's going to bring it to you? Right. Uh, and once you encounter it, are you going to recognize it? Exactly. And because people are just going through, yeah, they're just kind of sludging through. They don't realize that the greatest learning of their life, they're missing. They're enduring instead of enjoying and in taking and educating themselves. Mm -hmm. They're just enduring what should be a, a learning dynamic experience. They go, well, that stunk or that was no good. Mm -hmm. What do you mean that was no good? That was, that was a life lesson. Mm -hmm. But because you didn't learn from it, you're doomed to repeat it. That's right. Right. So you're going to be broken of the month. <laughs> well, you get 
You get abundant opportunities in life to learn the same lesson. The only difference is the cost goes up. Oh, amen. Each and, time. And the, and the time left to learn goes down. So you're ready to pass the test and move on? Woohoo! Let's, let's do it. Let's go. Let's, let's go. do it. Let's go. So once you encounter a principle, how are you going to recognize it? And I could sit here and tell you the most wonderful story in Finnish. And you wouldn't recognize the principle, would you? No. No. Because you don't tune, tune into the language. Right. I want to use that as a little entree to give you a minute to talk about, about language. Wow. And where that comes in. I know you've got a ton of stuff, but well, where do you want to start with that, Kurt? Yeah, you know, I have a... I had a chance to work, you, you've done a lot with behavioral stuff. I had a chance to work mm-hmm. with uh, the director of a, a youth treatment program. The interesting thing about his youth treatment program was it was, he did an independent, out, there was an independent outcome study done in his program. And the kids that left his program had the lowest recidivism rate or repeat offense rate of any program in North America. So, mm. so recidivism in that industry, they, they measure uh, if, the, if the kids leave the program and repeat offend at the same or greater rate. Of offense, so if, if they, they come re- back right. into the system, right? And so, like that. Right. so his was exactly the opposite. So instead of twenty five percent of of his kids, uh, well, the recidivism seventy five percent is like the recidivism rate for America. Seventy five percent of the kids leave the programs we have and repeat offend. Mm-hmm. Wow. So his was twenty five percent. When he was asked why, he said his simple response. I mean, I'll never forget. He goes well, what are you doing at your program that's so significantly different that allows for this outcome? And I was waiting for some mm-hmm. big doctoral response. And his simple response was, we teach the kids a new language. Mm. And he was done. Oh, wow. Now, okay. now so, so, but okay, there's the principle. But how, so how do I use that principle? So listeners, here we go. Here's what he said. And I wrote this in my, in my leadership journal. I wrote, captured this in my notebook. I just, and I've never forgotten it. And I've taught it myself and I've taught it to my kids and, and I've thought about it and processed it. And now it's, I'm going to give it to you as it was given to me that day. So he said, when they enter the program, their lives, right, which have been driven by their language or shaped by their language are filled with victimisms. So they have to sign a contract mm-hmm. when they enter the program that says, I will not say these words. And there's the, the typical four letter words that you and I can imagine that we've heard and endured. But beyond that, this page is filled with filth, the filth of the should-haves, could-haves, and all the victimisms, and all the blames, and all the limiting. Yeah, I can't. And I it's can't. not my fault. It's not my fault. You know, just all that stuff. And they, Why me? Yeah, and they sign a contract that says they won't say anything like that. Cool. Now, there's a problem, though, and that is they've been saying those things, and they've learned many of those things from their own parents. Mm-hmm. So... As soon as they're frustrated within 10 minutes, one of them is going to blow up and say a word or a phrase that they've already just committed. They wouldn't. Right. At which point, the entire program stops. And now, because of the contract they just signed, they have to think of 20 things they might have said instead had they chosen with deliberateness their words. <laughs> so Covey says between stimulus and response is a space. Now you've got some dedicated time to open that space up and what are 20 things you would have said now that you can choose your response more carefully? Mm-hmm. And so nobody goes to lunch, nobody goes to dinner, nobody goes to the bathroom. The whole group is stopped. The whole family culture halts, stops now until we get this right. Now that student thinks of 20 things they might have said. They're still frustrated, but now what are 20 positive ways to, to frame this frustration? And mm-hmm. then they do, and then they move on. Well, it's amazing because what happens is like martial arts. You rehearse the moves. And then if you've ever seen a martial artist in their full game, 
It looks like in a nanosecond, they've done six or seven blocks. It looks like they're not even thinking about the blocks. In their mind, they're moving in slow motion. In other words, they've increased that space between stimulus and response so that now they're choosing the subject of their thinking. They're choosing their words with care. And so I was taught I was taught a few years ago that our lives follow our language. So all of a sudden, these kids now, they're experiencing frustration. Life brings us that. But they're choosing their response. What they say and what we say and think determines and affects what we feel. See? And so they're getting it right. They get their head right. They get their body right, they get their attitude right, they get their spirit right, they get their lives right. But it all starts with words. So I've always been taught that thoughts are the parents of behavior, and so it all starts with thoughts. Mm-hmm. I've since been taught that words are the parents of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Go New Testament again. By the word, we're all things created. So we, we, there's, there's a lot of scriptural preference here, but there's also a lot of Eastern philosophy that talks about the power of words. And mm-hmm. so when you break That's words right. down, you, you know, and you've taught words are not just words. They're the tone, mm-hmm. the tonality of the words, the word in context, like your language and culture. My word in context is my word in tone and expression. Mm-hmm. Your children look at your face to determine what you really mean. They're trying to see beyond your words. What's the feeling that's driving the words and words are living things. Words are filled with the breath of life. They have the power to create or destroy. There's so much about words. And if we would get much more deliberate about the words that we spoke and the tone and spirit with which we spoke them. How we say them, right. Not just what we say, but how we say that. You change your words, you change your life. And that's why it's so important. Your your paradigm insurance group where people gather Mm -hmm. and you say, wipe your head at the door or whatever. No, you're saying wipe out the negativity. This is a place where we not just pump each other up, but we speak in a very positive way. Um, deliberate manner towards possibility. Mm-hmm. See, there's a second language, and it's not a language of Spanish or Finnish or Swedish. The second language is the language of love and leadership. And this is a la- the language of leadership is a language that lifts and inspires and invites mm-hmm. new That's behaviors, right. new possibilities. It's a powerful thing. And we could take greater ownership of our language. We've, we're taking a big step towards taking greater ownership of our lives and our culture. Mm-hmm. I think uh, for you listeners, there's... The, there's a fun little exercise that we've done. Uh, well, you know Craig Rollo. Love Craig Rollo. Uh, good friend of both of ours. Who uh, He and I have teamed up for this marital magic stuff. We do cruises and retreats and things like that for couples. I and, love it. And one of the, ex- the exercises we have people do at these retreats is a, it's a phrase. Okay. I didn't tell her you were crazy. Okay, that's the phrase. But we have everybody go through it and emphasize it differently and say okay. things differently. So. I didn't tell her you were crazy. I didn't tell her you were crazy. I didn't yeah, I love tell it. her you were crazy. Right. I didn't tell her you were crazy. Yeah, I didn't tell her <laughs> that you were crazy. <laughs> I didn't tell her you were crazy. She doesn't know yet. See all of this? It, yeah. And every little inflection changes oh. the meaning. Yeah, absolutely. Changes the meaning, and it carries a different meaning to them. But we're, wouldn't you agree with that we're way too casual with our language? And our, and, oh, our, yeah. and our, our, our casualness, casual being the root word of casualty, our casual language mm. leads to casualties in relationships. We've got to get wow. deliberate. We've got to get specific. And well, the whole theme of this, this program is live on purpose. What if we were starting to speak on purpose and to oh. think on purpose? Well, if you're going to live on purpose, then, you've got to, then your language has got to be purposeful. It has to start somewhere. Yeah, and, and I, 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 I think the results measure out my friend's program with their tremendously... Um, uh, different outcome with these mm-hmm. kids who didn't mm-hmm. repeat offend. 
And his simple things, he said, we teach them a new language. And this language shapes their thoughts. Their thoughts, again, are the parents of their behaviors, their beliefs, mm-hmm. right? And so words become so powerful. And that's why parents and coworkers, you know, and when you change the tone of your voice and you change and get very deliberate about the things you say, choose your words with great care and you'll live your life with more care. Mm-hmm. More caring for them, more caring is received because more caring is given. It's a beautiful thing. Just last week on this program, we were talking about how you can't not create. You're a creative being. You're out there creating all the time. Mm-hmm. What are you creating? As you become more intentional about it, and you get clear about, here's what I want to create, and then you structure your thoughts and your words and as you were saying, Kirk, you know, your actions are going to follow that, but mm-hmm. not just your actions. This is when things start to manifest also. Mm. Things actually come into being yep. as a result of those thoughts that you have. Well, you said a while ago that we, the, the, the first creation takes place mentally. And mm-hmm. we might envision a picture, but we begin to frame it with words. And the first time we have to articulate what we see to someone, the words begin to build this thing for real. Mm-hmm. The words take our mental thoughts, breathe life into them. Now they come out of us and they begin to form around us. And that's the creative power mm-hmm. of the spoken word. And it's, uh, it's, it's very powerful. And we've all walked in and we've all been in meetings where someone um, changed the feeling in the room for better or for worse with the words that they used and the way that they used them. Mm-hmm. They, they altered the entire temperature and climate of a room with the words that they spoke. And yet we do this every day in every relationship we have. Uh, with every family member, everyone we interact with. And, and then non-verbally, you smiled at Monique. Mm-hmm. You called her name, but non-verbally, which is 55% of communication, they say, is, non, is our facial expression and, right? mm-hmm. and our body language. And there you were with a big smile on your face. 55% of you, before you opened your mouth, said, Monique, I'm happy to see you. I'm glad mm-hmm. you're here. And she felt that. Mm-hmm. She felt yes, she did. that language from you. And then her, then she heard the validation of it when your voice said, how you doing? I'm glad you're here. You know, whatever it was that you said. Mm-hmm. And then that confirmed to her, he really is glad I'm here. And you can't, you can't not do this. You might think, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. Well, you're going to do it. No, we're, we're all, how no. are you going to do it? Whether That's you, the only question. Whether you choose to live on purpose or not, you're impacting someone else's life. You know, we're, right. we're, we're making a difference in the world, whether we want to or not. Some of us are making no difference at all. Mm-hmm. Some of us are making um, not the kind of difference we want to make. And, but if you'll learn, if, if you'll learn to begin the journey of living on purpose, we'll begin to make a more purposeful, positive mm-hmm. difference. It's very I, deliberate. I had a father in my office not too long ago, and he's going through some very difficult times. Mm-hmm. And this family had been through kind of a nasty divorce and some other things were going on. But as I was meeting with this father, he said, I just want to be able to have an impact on my kids. And I said, that's already happening. <laughs> oh, ouch. And it was really a wake-up call to him. Yeah. He just needs to get clear about what kind of an impact yeah. and then get, get intentional about creating. Very deliberate. We'll be right back. Well said. This is Ross Kellen Moore of Creation Tree Coaching, and I've got two questions for you. Who are you? What do you want? You see, I've figured out that you and I can absolutely create anything that we really want. 
But to do that, we've got to be absolutely clear on who we really are and what we really want. So what do you want? More financial abundance? More fulfilling relationships? A higher level of health and fitness? How about finding your work that allows you to create massive value for others in the way that you love most? Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching. We are the world's premier provider of abundance, education, and resources. We are here to help you create the life you really love. Begin now at creationtreecoaching.com. Check out our live teleseminar classes and podcasts. Get to know our coaches and schedule a coaching session. Explore training for your business and employees. Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching and a whole new world that you create on purpose. Relishing a week with your sweetheart in paradise. Spending that same week with other like-minded couples who live in abundance. Increasing your knowledge through powerful seminars geared toward helping you take your marriage to a new level. This is only a fraction of the value waiting for you on this year's Marital Magic Couples Cruise. Producer Retreats has teamed up with Dr. Paul and Craig Rollo to set the theme for this year's cruise as a more perfect union. Join us on January 26, 2008 as we visit the beautiful Eastern Caribbean Islands aboard Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. Call 1-800-591-2432 to select your package and book your spot. You can get more details at ProducerRetreats.com. Limited cabins are available for this event, so book today by calling 1-800-591-2432. We'll see you on board. Kirk, I can't believe we're on the last segment of this program already. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It just goes fast. The last one I did with you was two hours, and that went fast, too. Oh, well, we had call-ins that day. So here's the deal. Okay. You're going to come back and do another show. There's no question. All right. Uh, how about well, in October? You know, you became part of my prosperity network. Oh, I can't even remember when. I knew you uh, on the internet and over the phone long mm-hmm. before I ever met you in person. That's right. That's right. Um, but you became a part of my prosperity network because... I think we all need those people in our life who hold us accountable for our thinking mm-hmm. and who encourage us to go to a higher level, okay. to get to a higher frequency so awesome. that we can start to attract the higher frequency results into our life. Very true. Very true. And you became one of those people for me because I was really resonating with the way you think, with the way you communicate. I love the way you you put these stories together. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a unique ability that you have, and here you are sharing it with the world. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage all of our listeners, uh, by the time you sign off from this podcast today, I want all of you to have some idea of the so what, therefore what. I've learned all of this stuff. What am I going to do with it now? What tools, what resources, what things can I bring to the table that will allow me to apply these principles that I'm learning here today? Okay. And... Uh, I've, I, I know you travel the world. You go around, you meet okay. interesting people. You've so, got something on your so, mind. Okay, so are you saying that you, take okay, we want to give them a tool? You said we want, to, we want your listeners to have a takeaway tool. A take-home tool. Something fun, something cool. That would be awesome. Right, so something fun, something cool. Here's a takeaway tool from uh, Dr. Paul's Live Your Life on Purpose potty, pod. 
podcast. Pod, podcast. Podcast. Be very deliberate with your words. <laughs> You're so, the one who wrote the poop book. Well, I know. That's why. And maybe. Right. Okay. So, so okay, listeners. And and this, I was had a chance to be in Australia, and I was presenting down there. But there was this really cool lady presenting before me. And the Australian people, I just love to listen to them all day. But then she began to teach something that was so fun. She taught me and everyone in the room about butt flipping. Butt flipping. I am now. Now, I remember this from junior high. No, 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 no. I'm not sure that we're talking about the same thing. Okay, you explain it. She taught us and taught me how to be a butt flipper. And I, and I was so excited about the potential and possibility of this that I've practiced it, and I now teach American organizations how to be butt flippers. So you're so, an expert butt flipper. I'm an, well, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, a, I'm a student of butt flipping. Okay, but, you better so, tell us what okay, butt flipping here is. Here it is. So um, imagine, that, um, imagine that Andrew and I, Andrew, the, the radio man over here, our studio guy, imagine that um, someone's asking me about Andrew. So It's Adam, actually. Oh, so, I'm sorry. Adam. Sorry, I knew that. I knew that. He Adam. doesn't have a mic to defend himself. Okay, so, so I have to jump Adam. In. So Go imagine ahead. that you that 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 you were asking me if Adam was qualified for this new position. So just role play and say, is Adam qualified for the new position we're looking okay. to fill? Okay, Kirk is is Adam qualified for this position we're trying to fill? You know, um, Paul Adam has. Um, you know, Adam probably has all the qualifications that you need, but you know, mm. yeah, he's not really team oriented he's more of an individual player okay so can i insert something here kirk go ahead every time i hear the word but Mm -hmm. i translate it in my own mind it means forget what i just said here's what i really mean okay so let's the feel it let's go back so i said yeah adam's got all the qualifications you need but not a team player kind of an individual seeing that just nicks the whole thing for me so but flipping maybe i need to tell you about the team aspect but let me flip the butt. So now ask me okay. the same question. All right. Well, what do you think, Kirk? Is Adam qualified for this position? I'll tell you what. Adam, um, he's more of an individual. You know, he's far, he really likes to get in there and get it done. He's not uh, prone to collaborate first. But I'll tell you what. No one is probably more qualified for this position than Adam. He's got all the qualifications that you need to technically get this job done. So you flipped your butt. Flipped it. But how did it feel when mm. I flipped it? It's got a whole different feel. It's got a whole different feel. Now, and, and sometimes it's not even necessary to say the other piece. It's not even. It's but some, and it, if it is, if it is, why not flip the butt? Sometimes you've we got to. Sometimes we need to be aware. It's raining outside, but we can still have a great time. You know, mm-hmm. we can have a great time, but it's raining outside. See totally the family culture. Feel. So in our family mm-hmm. culture, we've talked about being a butt flipper, and anybody can call anybody on it because at any time. In our society, we're picking up these negatives. We're just overwhelmed with them. Mm-hmm. And so if I walk in the room and I say, well, you know, we were going to go to the park and have a great time, but the weather's out there. Rebecca or one of the kids can go, Dad, uh, flip your butt. I'll physically take three steps back or re-enter the room and say, you know what? <laughs> it's raining outside, but we can still go out and have a good time. Right? And so here's the, here's the power of this principle. Anybody can call anybody, and then that gives you and invites you a chance to try it out, this new behavior. But I think there's some power in this new behavior, and here's what I think it is. If you can end a sentence, a single sentence, on a more positive note, mm-hmm. then you and I can end a conversation on a more positive note. That's right. And if you and I can end a conversation on a more positive, in the language of your show, more purposeful note, we're living on purpose, right? If we can end a conversation on a more positive and purposeful note, then we can end this relationship on a more positive and personal note and a day on a more positive and personal note. And so you want to have a more positive and powerful life? Be a butt flipper. Be a butt flipper. 
And that little exercise, incorporate that exercise, try it out this next week. It's kind of fun enough that you can introduce it to your family or a work group and then hold people accountable to it and say, do you want to flip your butt? And watch people reframe and create awareness about their own language. It's a great step in the right direction, upward and forward. That is awesome. Butt flipping from Australia. Thank you, Australia. And you know, that reminds me of another one that... uh, Okay, go ahead. Uh, you know, I was uh, I was doing a show with Producer Revolution for mm-hmm. well, that's the one that you joined me on last time, right? And uh, one of my associates there, Tom Fry, had a phrase that he liked to use, and it was "get in front of your butt." T- tell me about it. And it's got it's got a feel of you know get off of right. it too. But uh, what he's talking about here is when when you do a butt phrase, mm-hmm. you list all of this positive stuff, and then you see this big butt coming into the room, right? But and then you just nix it all. Mm. That's the idea. Get in front of your butt. Get, yeah. Don't get on the tail end of that thing. Yeah. Get in front of it and stick with the positive thing. I like what you said about it. Ended on a positive note. Ended on a positive note. Hey, listen, I think ideally you eliminate the butt altogether. Mm-hmm. But I love the Australian right. being the butt flipper or get in front of your butt. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing is, if, if we can, it's a, it may seem like a small thing, but I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, the road of change to a more positive, purposeful life is filled with a thousand small steps that we're willing to take. And so listeners, we've got to be willing to try this new behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, when I introduced this to my family culture, of course, the kids liked it because we were talking about butt flipping and that was intriguing. Yeah, and, kids and love and that. Kind of like the dog poop initiative, stinky becomes sticky in a sense, which we talk about, this sounds a little taboo. And I'm not trying to push the envelope of propriety or, 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 or being appropriate, but it's interesting that being a butt flipping thing was kind of a fun thing. The kids listened up, we talked about it, then we role played it two or three times. Mm-hmm. And after we role played it two or three times, Man, the kids were on high alert. So who do you think the first people in our family were to call people? It's the kids, isn't it? It was the kids saying, Dad, do you want to flip your butt? Mom, do you want to flip your butt? And you're like, oh. And then you're like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is me too. This is not a, You know right? what, Kirk? I bet that creates opportunities for you to explain this to the neighbors too. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there, I, there, matter of fact, there was one awkward conversation about that, but we got it squared away. It's okay. And yeah. Well, it's just a teaching opportunity. Their house is for sale now. And you love those, right? I wonder if they're leaving because of oh, the, really. The Anybody want to live to live next to Kirk in Georgia? Oh, well, language is so important. It sure is. It's so important. Language sets the tone. And again, my my uh, my friend Mike Cottom taught me a couple things. He said that people become what you say about them. Hmm. And then I was also taught recently that our lives follow our language. And I ponder and think on those things. And if uh, your listeners will ponder and give that some thought and say, just accept them as being true and then ponder them, kick them around, let your subconscious present to you some ways that you could use and rediscover the power and depths of those two principles to change your language mm-hmm. and to change your life. You just said something that's really striking a chord with me too. And you said that people become what you say about them, mm-hmm. basically, who you tell them they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that I work a lot with families, with kids, with sure. couples, with with people in, you do some in great relationships. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was having a discussion not too long ago with um, with an associate who uh, was really struggling in his relationship with his wife. Mm-hmm. And as he was describing her to me, and he was using all of this language that was very negative. Right. I asked him a powerful question, and the question I asked him was, if she were already exactly the way you wanted her to be, would you treat her differently? And he did a little soul-searching right there on the spot. Right. And he admitted to me, yes, I would. 
I said, treat her now as if she is already that. Right. Powerful. It's the, it's the Don Quixote or the, the spyglass, the, the story of the spyglass. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Gottman, you're familiar with his work, The Seven yeah, Principles for John Making Gottman. Marriage Work. Sure. Yeah. He, he taught in there. He said one of the things they, they learned about the masters of marriage was that they called it positive sentiment override. I use this in my corporate teaching. You know, this mm-hmm. idea is the principle. Positive sentiment override means that at least 75% of the time that you're thinking about or talking about your spouse when they're not present, you're doing so in a positive context. And the power of that positive context shapes the relationship. It shapes what you're willing to see and acknowledge and the benefit of the doubt that you're willing to give more often, more fully. 75% of the time that you're talking about not just your spouse, but also your workplace. How's your job? How am I? Don't ask. Is different than I love my job. Some great things, some great people at my job is a lot different mm-hmm. than, oh, my job sucks. Don't ask. Blah, blah, blah. Find the positive. Yeah. It's always there. Because what we say today is what we're looking to see tomorrow. That's right. Well, and, and that's what gives you the power to actually create it. Mm-hmm. And I think people don't really tune in to what their creative power actually is. This linguistic insight actually changes our physical eyesight. What we say affects what we're willing to and able to see. It changes the way we see the world. Mm-hmm. Just like when we walk, when you, when you first showed up to Finland, is that where you said your mission? When you first Finland. showed up to Finland with a, a rudimentary glass of the language, you didn't see everything that was there. Oh, your physical, not even close. Your physical eyesight was impaired. Mm-hmm. 2020 vision, yes, but your physical eyesight, your ability to see things in context to see what was really there was severely limited by your linguistic mm-hmm. limitations. As we change our language in our lives, it changes the way we see others. And the potential mm-hmm. we see in others and the potential that's realized in others, the language is really the parent of it all. Kirk, I sure appreciate your coming on the show with me. Today. Pleasure to be with you. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely delight. To connect with you. Absolutely delight. I love what you're doing. I want to point all of the listeners to kirkweasler.com, K-I-R-K-W-E-I-S-L-E-R, one word, dot com. And uh, they can get connected to everything that you're doing there. Your books are there, The Cookie Thief. I'm excited to take that home. Adam read it during the commercial yep. break. Well, four and a half minutes uh, later, he was the, done. The dog poop initiative, I've probably placed a hundred of those out oh, there. Bless you. Uh, because it's a powerful story, and it's a way to connect with some principles. Instant metaphor rolls mm-hmm. right into your family culture, right into your workplace culture. It just seems to work good. And like you said, I you know, have no idea. But people mm-hmm. people see the story, and it automatically attaches to a problem or principle that they want to work with. So they do. So I'm, really, I'm very fortunate. It's been it a great blessing. It always applies. You can find a place everywhere. Yep. So keep creating value out there. Well, and then back in October, we'll do this again? Let's do it. I'd love to. We will, we will be coming back at you with another installment of the Dr. Paul and Kirk Weasler Show. Woo-hoo, live we, life on purpose. In the meantime, go out there, create some light, live on purpose, and scoop some poop. Be a super. Be a scooper. What else could we say? Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Thank you, Dr. Paul. <laughs>